I want you to turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1 with me, would you? Talking about Christmas. And the title of my message, and obviously it's Christmas 2019 part 2, but the title of my message today is, Why God Became Man. Why God Became Man. And maybe you don't know why God. Why did Jesus come? Why was it required? What was the necessity of Jesus coming to earth? Why? And there are some simple explanations that are just as easy to describe to you as, you know, just telling you, well, he had to be a replacement. But maybe you don't understand what that means. Maybe you don't understand the purchase pack of man and what man had done and the redemptive properties of Christ. And so I want to kind of give you an idea why God did what he did. Why did God bring man to earth in Jesus or Jesus to earth? You know, we, 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 we say it this way. Jesus was very God and very man. We could say it another way. We could say Jesus is all God and all man. I think we're safer to speculate it and, or to say it more uh, clearly by saying Jesus was all God and all man. But he's very God and very man. And so God became flesh. Look at something say, God became flesh, became flesh and lived with us. He came here to earth. So why? Now, to, to understand this principle, to understand why Jesus had to come, the very first thing we have to start with is the book of Genesis. That only makes sense. I mean, it ought to be something we know. But in the book of Genesis, starting at this first uh, chapter, the first verse reads this way, or the 20, I'm sorry, the 26th verse reads this way. And God said, I'm going to preach and then we're going to do the offering at the end. And God said, let us make man in our own image. So God makes man, we're a, we're a, you know, a product of God in his image. And then it says, after our likeness and let him have dominion. And he goes on to say over, let him have dominion. Now I'm going to say he has dominion according to the word of God over everything on the earth. God gave man dominion. He gave him the authority. He gave him the authority on the earth. So God creates man and says, I'm not going to be an authority personally. I'm not going to make the decisions. I made these decisions. They're my decisions. But man is the one that's going to operate these decisions. Man is the one who is going to create man's life. He's going to put himself in whatever position he desires because I'm going to give him dominion. Meaning he's going to take care of the fish, the fowls of the air. He's going to have dominion on the earth. Does everybody understand what I mean by dominion? Man's going to be dominant on the planet. Dominant over the fish. He says it this way. The fish of the sea over fowl of the air, over the cattle, over so over all. And we can keep going and see how this happens. And so God creates this man and says, I'm going to give him an authority over the earth. I'm going to give him an authority. Now let me give you another a byproduct of that. As we know, the Bible says that Satan was thrown out of heaven. And that he came here. That this was where he came. He threw, and, and the way the Bible describes it is that he's here. And that he has a, a presence here. And has a right to be here. But the difference between man and Satan is. Is that man was given dominion. And I'm talking about the garden. Man was given dominion. That's authority. The devil was given presence. He's allowed to be here. So the, the, the devil had a presence on the earth, and man had authority, according to this. Man was given the ability to create. Man was given the ability to do things. Now, if you have a pen and a paper, I want you to write this down. For the very first reason that God brought man to earth is because God keeps his word. Now, that may sound simple to some, but God keeps his word. He keeps his word. God always keeps his word. God is truth. God is honesty. God is love. God is holy. God doesn't contain holiness. God is holy. He doesn't contain truth. He is truth. And so the very first thing that we have to understand is for God to do this, he has to keep his word because he's holy. He has no ulterior motives. He has no other plans. He's faithful He's truthful and he is full of character. He is all of those things. Whatever he is not, is not. Whatever he does not do will not be done. Whatever he cannot do cannot be done. That's right. Amen. 
You understand? And he can do it all. So, I mean, basically we're saying he is all science, all knowledge, all knowing, and all of those things. And so, because of who he is, he gave man custodialship over the earth. He made him the caretaker. He made him the trustee or the lesser. Anybody in here lease a property? You, you're a leaser or you lease something or you rent it. Let's just say renting is a little different. But leasing would be like if there was an owner of a property and he came to you, you paid him a price. or there was some, some uh, amount given or discussion about this and he made you the lesser of the property. By being a lesser or under a lease, you have the authority in that property. They give you authority. And there's limits to it, whatever those limits are. And whatever God's limits were, that's what he gave. But overall, God gave authority. He gave authority to man. Now, if you're a lessee and you're leasing a property, you know, when I lease these buildings that I've leased in the past, now we have mortgages and things on all of our buildings. But before we would just lease, there were, you know, if we tore the walls up, I was responsible for the walls. God, God gave man that same responsibility. He gave him this property, earth, gave him dominion and authority over the property and everything on the earth. Everything that was created, he had dominion and authority on. And so if he tore it up or messed it up or destroyed it or fouled it up or whatever it was, the responsibility of that decision was not because of God, but because of man. In times past, I've said, you know, if I let you borrow my car and I told you don't go to Africa, but you couldn't drive to Africa anyway. But let's just say I told you you took my car and I said, don't drive to Georgia in my car. If you do, you're going to have a uh, you're going to be arrested. And if you got arrested, it wouldn't be because I arrested you. Somebody ought to say amen. It wouldn't be me. I didn't arrest you. I wasn't the problem. I told you that you had responsibilities. I told you that you were responsible for this thing. I gave you the prescription of this property or my car, and I gave you an end result of a bad decision. If you make this choice, then the results of the choice are what you decided to do. If you go to jail, you can't look across the, the chasm and say, the, Mr. McCart sent me to jail. Somebody say Amen. You can't say that because Mr. McCart didn't send you to jail. He told you the consequences of if you go to Georgia. Right. Look at somebody and say, if you go to Georgia in Pastor McCart's car, he's going to have you arrested and you're going to go to jail because you decided to drive to Georgia. Whose fault was it? It'd be your fault. Can't blame God for what you did. Now, this is, the, this is the scenario that we're in. And because God is honest, he created a legal right of livelihood or a legal right to live on planet Earth. He gave man a specific criteria. And this was it. You had to be three parts. You had to be a spirit living in a body with a mind, will, and emotions. You had to be those three parts. You had to live in a body. How many of you understand when you don't live in the body anymore, you don't live on earth anymore? Somebody say amen. amen. So the criteria for your legitimacy, what makes it legal for you to be here, and what gives you legal dominion at that time, when, but, but, uh, uh, in, this, in this Genesis chapter, was that you lived in a body. And you had a mind, will, and emotion. So you're a spirit. Now, I want you to look at somebody and say this. The spirit... Never dies. Never dies. Not that we know of. And I mean that in the sense of that, that spirits, as they are, uh, uh, the Bible says that when you die, your spirit goes back to God. Meaning there's a natural spirit and then that you're also a spirit living in the body. But the spirit itself doesn't, doesn't die. But bodies die. So the legal right of a human being on earth before, uh, in this particular chapter, is, is you have authority. You have complete and total authority. And you have a legal right to be there. You're, you can accommodate earth. You can live on earth because you have the accommodations necessary. You have a body. So because you have a body, you have a responsibility to live in that body. You have a responsibility for the choices. You have a responsibility for your future. A human is a spirit in a body with a mind, will, and emotions. So legally, you have the legal authority that because you live in a body. 
But then if we go over and we look at Genesis chapter 3, things are told to Satan that are very important. God explains to Satan in, in Genesis chapter 3 about what happened when man decided to sin. Man made a decision. Man goes off into the garden and he decides to sin. We know that Satan has, has the, the positional right to be here. God sent him here. He doesn't have dominion or didn't have dominion at that time. He didn't have any authority. He just simply had position. And God gave man authority. Now look at somebody and say that. God gave man authority. God gave man authority. And the devil position. And the devil position. So God saying these things has set it up. And man was given divine authority. And Satan who had presence on the earth comes to visit with man. He comes to talk to man. The Bible says that he got inside of the snake. And the Bible says, and, and I think if we look at, you know, there's, I've looked at science and scientifically they say snakes have a place where two legs used to be. Apparently snakes used to walk. I don't know. I'm not going into some theological definition. I'm just going to give you a Steve McCart version. Somebody say, okay, it's just Pastor Steve's version. All right. So they say that, 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 animal, that snakes had legs that they could walk. And we know that through the situation that happened in Genesis chapter 3, that man decided to make a decision to sin. Man decided to sin. Now, he had not sinned before then and had dominion. But because he had the lease on the property and he was the custodianship of the property, when he fell into sin, he turned that over or gave that away. And gave the devil the right to have authority. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? But God who is truthful, holy, and just, and faithful, because he is this way, he could no longer stay with man. He could no longer fellowship with man in the way he did before. When man fell into sin and made his decision to use his dominion, to use his authority, to use his mind... That spirit man decided to eat of the, of the tree. The Bible clearly tells us that things immediately changed. And you're going to understand what Christmas is all about. I pray that it makes sense to you because God is absolutely, it's necessity that man had to come. Number one, because God had to keep his word. And so God told him in Genesis three, he said that he said, uh, I'm going to bring a change and that change is coming. Uh, with with a, with a man because it required a man. How many understand it required a man? You have no legal authority to make any decisions on this planet. And because God is honest, because God is truthful, because God is just, because God is love, and because of who he is, he would not violate his own word that he had given to man. God refused to violate his own word because he's not a, a, a he will not violate. His word is ever true. It's eternal. And because of that, he made a decision that he would not. He refused to break his word to man. And so he couldn't break into man's system without coming in the form of a man. And God had to come in the form of a man because God's honest. Because God's truthful. He had to come in a body to be legal. To make legal decisions. To make legal things happen. God's integrity required it. Jesus had to become because God is a God of integrity. The woman got deceived and decided to, to eat the fruit. Now listen to Genesis 3 verse 15. Turn over to Genesis 3.15. Uh, when, when this occurred, we understood that, that there was a womb in a woman. And that God had created it. I'm, I'm teaching real good this morning. You're going to get something really fantastic out of this when I'm done. The womb of the woman was crucial to what God was going to do. You may not realize this. And the issue with the, with the husband was, is that the new seed that God, or the new, the man that had to restore the sinful problem with man... It had to be a man, but it could not come from the seed of a man. Well, you know, just talking uh, just naturally, within a woman, we have a womb and we have an egg. Within a man, we have seed. And it was the seed of man that was filled with 
the sin nature of man from what man had done. It could, Jesus could not come from the seed of the man. You understand? Whatever grows, grows from the seed. Does everybody understand this? And so he had to bring a man. And in Genesis 3.15, it says this. It says, uh, after the woman was deceived, he said this. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman. And between the seed and her, thy seed and her seed. Between thy seed and her seed. Now he's discussing the seed issue that I'm talking about. And he shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. So he's talking about that he's going to take this woman and she's going to be a nightmare in the future for him. (laughs) I mean, understand, this woman that you betrayed is going to turn you in, man. I mean, I mean, I don't think we realized what was going on. I mean, how smart was God with all this? I mean, you might not realize. Sometimes we get mad and we think, well, why did Eve eat the fruit? How many of you know God already knew Eve was going to eat the fruit? And he had a plan designed ahead of time. And he said, this woman that you messed up, she's going to turn her back in a way you can't even imagine. And she is going to put you in a position you've never been put in. And there's something that when she gets impregnated with a seed that's not out of a man... I'm helping you this morning. You're going to get what I'm talking about. When she gets impregnated, his, his, that seed is going to come and bruise your head. going to be a nightmare to you. Somebody say amen. How many know Jesus is a nightmare to the devil? He said we can rebuke the devourer and flee. If I can get this through to you, I hope I get this through to you and help you understand why Jesus and what it means for you to have Jesus and why you do what you do. Why are things the way they are? What can God do with your life? Because if you ever really realize that the Bible is clear that Jesus has destroyed all the works of the devil. And it took a man to do it. It had to be God in in the form of a man with the authority of a man to do it. Somebody say amen. The word enmity in this scripture means this. Hatred or irreconcilable hostility. Hatred. Or irreconcilable hostility. In other words, God was saying in this scripture, I'm going to produce inside that woman something that you will never agree upon. There will never be a moment of agreement between you and this woman again. I know that don't make any sense, but it will in a minute. What's going to come out of her is going to be in total disagreement with you. And what you've tried to do. How many of you understand? The Bible says we can resist the devil and flee. Because what's inside of us is totally against what's outside of us. Greater is he. I'm going to help you if you'll just pick it up. If you could just catch what I'm talking about. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. When God brought that out, he was going to put a bruise on his head. He was going to give him the nightmare of a lifetime. Born again believers are a nightmare to this world. Somebody ought to say amen. We change culture. We change schools. We change jobs. We change money. We change thinking. We change thought. We change structure. We are a nightmare to the devil's reign. We are a nightmare to his presence. Just because he's here doesn't mean that he has authority. God gave man authority. Look at somebody and say, God gave man authority. Oh, I wish you did. Does anybody hear what I'm saying this morning? Has anybody picked up on what I'm getting on right now? You're not just supposed to walk around like a little worm on the ground and hoping you can dig out from underneath the earth just to get a suck some air. You're not drowning under some weight of, of a sea of mess. God has made himself to be the for- He put us in dominion. Man, I don't know why anybody would not want to be saved. Why anybody would want to live in disobedience. I don't need to go there yet. Enmity. Hatred and irreconcilable hostility. There will never be an agreement between you and this woman. What I designed this woman to do, you can never change is what that means. What I designed her to do, it wasn't by chance. There wasn't just some random situation that that man fell into and all of a sudden God decided, well, I hope I got a secondary plan. He said that Jesus was slain before the foundations of the world. God had it all designed out. 
when he took the woman out of the man, he had something special designed. I wish you understand what I'm talking about. That there was going to be a womb inside of her that would bear something that would make a difference on the earth for eternity. God had it all planned out. And because of his integrity, it required a man to come. Because it was designed that way. God designed the earth with man to have dominion and authority. Look at somebody and say, man had dominion and authority. We could tell the fish what to do. We were able to design the earth and dis- design our scope and design our future because we had God's authority to do it. Of course, through sin, we gave that authority away at some measure. But God said, I have a plan and I got it all planned out. Revelation thirteen eight says, and all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life, who's the lamb slain from the foundations of the earth. See, what you don't understand is the seed was in heaven in Jesus. Jesus is the seed or of the seed of God from the seed of God. It wasn't the seed of man. But what we didn't realize when we read this is that that seed was already dead. It just needed the body to die in. That might have just, I'm, I'm preaching a little deeper this morning. For you guys that are shallow, just catch up in a little while. If God's plan had already existed, he said the lamb slain from the foundations of the earth, that seed, Jesus, the word of God was already dead. It just hadn't come into a body to die because spirits don't die. Spirits don't die. It had to come into a man because the only thing that was dying was man. And man was dying because of sin. God had actually described man to die. Now God said they would die. He said it would be me. I will bring death. Now you and I both know that death is the enemy of God. So what did he mean when he said I'm going to bring death? What was he saying? What was the description? Because if we don't read that right, we could just say, well, God's just killing folks. God had designed it to just kill people. That's wrong. That's not what God was saying. There was something entirely different. But he needed a body for Jesus to be in. He needed a body to die in. That's Christmas. You're not getting it. I hope you're getting it. Somebody will shout, hallelujah, thank God for Christmas. Thank God for Christmas. God's integrity required that a body be performed and that there was a body for a man to live in, that authority was in a body. So since man had sinned, if God didn't want you to die, somebody has to die in your place. Somebody has to die in your place because he said man would die, but he doesn't want you to die. It's his desire that none should perish, but that we should all come to everlasting life. God didn't want you to die. His desire wasn't for your death. But man decided through his dominion and authority to exercise it in a way that ensured that man would take on sin and that his seed would be, would be corrupted with that to the point God had to bring a man to restore God and man together. Look at somebody and say, praise God. God. Now write this down. The second reason that Jesus came, or the second reason uh, 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 God had to bring a man, is because God is just. God is just. God is just. Now what does that mean? Listen to this. Psalms uh, 37, 28 says this. For the Lord loves judgment and forsakes not his saints. They are preserved forever, but the seed of the wicked shall be cut off. Look at this one. Psalm 9, 16 says this. The Lord is known by the judgment which he executes. The wicked are snared and the work of their hands, says the Lord. Judgment belongs to God. Look at somebody say, judgment belongs to God. I said, God prescribed death. You'll die. That He said, the soul is sinned. Shall surely die. The moment man sinned, it was it was what nine hundred and thirty years. I think I think was the total that that he lived beyond that moment. 
but he died. He died in some way. We know at the moment he sinned in the garden. When Adam sinned in the garden, he began a process of death. He died two ways. He died in his spiritual relationship with the Lord. You see, the death that the Bible is talking about in Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 3 is that I will no longer be able to be with you. My fellowship with you is cut off because I am holy, because I am righteous, because I am the word, because I am truth, because of what my word is. When you violated my word, when you turned your will towards something other than me. Now listen, pay attention. When you decided to do things that were against my plan. Then because of that, I can't be in unholy. I'm holy. I'm not going to be holy. I'm not trying to get to be holy. I am holy. I cannot be in unholy. When Adam sinned, the Bible says he died. And because God had to remove himself from Adam and fellowship... That, all, that not only means that spiritually there was separation because there's no relationship anymore. The relationship was violated. It became unholy. Adam became unholy. And so he could no longer be there. You'll die in, this, in a spiritual way. You'll die because we can no longer fellowship. But if I remove me from you, then all that I am is removed from you. All that could be yours, all the dominion that you had was based on me, who I am, and my relationship with you. You gave that away. And so I can no longer fellowship with you. And so physical death was the result of his spiritual loss. Oh, I'm preaching real good right now. See, people don't even understand. You keep living in sin and you are violating. I'm not, I'm not here to judge anybody today. But you are violating his principles. You're violating his relationship and who he is and what he is cannot fellowship in that position. He cannot fellowship there. And what he can do and what you can have and the promises that exist are no longer valid to you because your relationship is invalid. You can't take a check to the bank without a signature on it. Some of us are still trying to get the check cashed, but we have no name on it. The check's not your check, it's God's check. Somebody ought to say amen. I wish somebody say amen. That's why we push into relationships. That's why we press into God. Because God is just. He's just. He's a just God. And he makes sure that he does things just. Justice was required. God is holy. Because God is full of integrity and character. He cannot lie. He couldn't lie and say something different than he would do. And because he was holy, whatever he had said, whatever he would say becomes truth. And because God said these things in Genesis 3 and described what would happen to man, he could not lie and invalidate what he had said because when he said it, it became true. If God says it, it is. It's not going to be. It's not. It is. It is what it is. If God describes it, that's the end of it. He won't violate his word. It's important for you to know. You need to know this because that's true for you today if you know Jesus. And so God created man, put him in the garden. And then in Genesis 2, he said this to me. He said, work. Told him, he said, you go to work. Then he told him, you cultivate the earth. And then he told him, I want you to replenish the earth. And then he told him, I want you to protect the earth. And then he told him, I want you to subdue the earth. And then he opened up his mouth again. And he said, if you go in there and you eat of that tree, you're going to die. Genesis 2, 16 and 17. Turn over there real quick. We're just finding in the word. Make sure what I said is exactly right. We don't want to just speculate. Amen. This is a Christmas message. Amen. I want you to get something. And the Lord commanded the man and saying, of every tree of the garden you can eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. 
For in the day that you eat, you will die. That's God's word. So the moment they separated themselves, the promise of death came. Can anybody see what I'm talking about? He separated himself from man. And so we define death again as God's separation from man and the absence of God spiritually would guarantee you natural death. It would guarantee that the things in your life would not work without without life in you. Who is life? God is life. So if you don't have life in you, then we're guaranteeing that death is coming. Somebody ought to say amen. That wasn't just, now listen, that wasn't just because the separation from God and man in the garden separated him spiritually to the point there was no eternal life. Unless God provided a sacrifice or unless God provided us Christmas. I'm going to get there in a minute. You're going to get it in a second. Unless Jesus was born as a man, unless God became man on behalf of man's failure. I mean, you might not realize this. You, when we sing songs like, you know, uh, uh, you know, how much he loves us and all this, I don't think we realize that he subjected himself to a position of manhood or flesh eternally. His decision is eternal. He's our ever interceding father. He everly makes intercession for us. He stands between us and God. This particular knowledge of God, uh, I'm going to get to this so you can understand so we defined it that way and to, uh, God would not break his word. He promised himself. God's promise was not to us. When he said what he said, you'll surely die. That was a promise not only to us, but to himself. Come on. Amen. Can, can you see where I'm coming from? So he set down a law that's irrevertible, unchangeable. When you sin, you'll die. Thank God he knew ahead of time. Somebody look at somebody and say, thank God he knew ahead of time. This is not a plan that God melted into or fell into or thought about after the fact of man. He knew when he presented man with dominion that man would have the right to make choices. Look at somebody and say, justice is about your choice. That's why we call him Justice, or that he has justice or judgment. Because justice is about your choice. And God says, I'm going to let you do whatever you want to do. That's called dominion. And then I'm going to tell you what the results of the choice are. Here's the results of your choice. Now, justice is an amazing thing because justice doesn't just go one way. Justice goes two ways. How I many you know the Bible says if you'll give, it'll be given back to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together? So justice is, God said if you'll give, I'll give back. That's, right. That's justice. When you get blessed, because God said he would bless you when you do certain things, he's being just to you. That's called justice. Does anybody understand what I'm saying? I mean, because God is a just God, it was imperative that he came as a man to fulfill the legal position and to be a just God. He had to be just. Sin is man's choosing to accept uh, repercussions and results from choices. Sin, let me say it again, is man choosing to accept repercussions and results from his choices. One more time. Sin is choosing and accepting repercussions and results from your choices. God is fully integral. God is fully and full of integrity. He is full of trust. He is trust. He is judgment. He is integrity. Judgment is the manifestation of God's holiness. It was his holiness that required it. So judgment was the manifestation of God's holiness. I'm pure. I can't have unpureness. And because I'm just, I am required to do what I did. You'll surely die. The soul that sinned. It took 920 years for Adam to die. Don't think in the midst of your decision not to serve God that there's not a result. 
Nobody's shouting on that. Everybody got real quiet. That's all of us. That's, there's no person in this room that is immune from what I'm talking about. We are all in positions where God is working on us. Don't look across the table and think, well, they're living this way and they're living that way and they're doing this and that and they're acting a certain way. Thank somebody don't say thank God for Christmas. Somebody don't say thank God for Christmas. Because you could be separated from God in your life and time is winding up. And if you don't change what you're doing and make a decision to walk in the word of God, walk in the choice of the Lord, walk in the decisions of God, walk in the word of God. You understand what I'm trying to say? And you live continually violated. Eventually, what God said as a repercussion will occur. But thank God for mercy. Thank God for grace. Everybody in this room ought to shout amen right there. You ought to be saying, thank God it took 920 years for that to change. Amen. And, 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 and listen to what God did. So God being fully just and full of integrity. And that his judgments manifested in us. In God's holiness. Whatever we sow. We reap. Whatever we sow. We reap. Why? Because God is just. Look at somebody and say it's God's justice. Now here's the thing. All of that being said. Dealing with Adam. Unless. He's dead. Adam has died from his sin. Unless. Somehow. Someone else reaps it for you. (laughs) Unless someone else. Loves you enough. To reap what you did. Talking about Adam. And can take that off of man. Somebody will say thank God for Christmas. See, some of you, I'll tell you, if you only knew, you know, decisions you make to live are choices that you make because you have dominion. But, you know, a lot of the choices we make in life are so simple to change. How many know what I'm talking about? They're so simple to change. We just make a different choice. We make a, a, a different kind of decision because we want to reap the benefits of God. But in our mind, not in our spirit. In our mind, we conceive ideas and call them truths, and we live in truths that are not really truths. We marry ourselves to an idea. Well, we don't need to do this because if we do this or we go this direction or we make this choice, well, this will be affected, that will be affected, it might affect this, and this could happen, and we couldn't work it, it wouldn't be this good. Those are not real truths because when God blesses, your truth doesn't exist anymore. I wish somebody shout out amen. You know, I've been up here long enough. I've preached long enough. People come to me all kinds of reasons. This is why we did this and this is why we won't do this. And we would have done this, but we don't do this because we did this. And if we did this, the house would go. And if we did this, we'd lose our car. And I know I couldn't pay my bills because this would. Then you don't believe what I'm trying to tell you. You're severing yourself for what God said is possible. If God said, my God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, either God is true or he is not. I can tell you, God is true. You're not going broke if you make the right choice. You're not going to go under if you make the right choice. Life's not going to fall apart for you if you make the right choice. I can tell you what will happen if you make the right choice. God will come along with his word and he will do exactly what he said he would do. And when your need comes due, he'll supply it. When you have something come up, God will take care of it. When sickness strikes and attack you, you'll be able to fight it. I wish somebody shout out amen right there. That's why he said, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him because he'll direct your path. Just turn yourself toward God. Turn yourself toward the word of God. 
Turn yourself into God and say, God, whatever your word said, that's what I'm going to do. Because it will be best for me in the end. No matter what the choices are, it will be best for me in the end. I'm going to trust in the Lord with all my heart. Because I know you're going to direct my path. I'm going to walk with God. I'm going to have the fulfillment and the fullness of the Lord. Because God's ways are higher than my ways. God's ways are better than my ways. God is for me. And if God be for me, it just doesn't matter who's against me. And I know if I make the right choice, I'll get the right result. Because God will be with me. God is a just, God is a just, God is a just, just, ju- justice is yours. Praise the Lord. I ain't got all day. I like to tell stories. And I think about my wife, Amy, and our situation where we are as a couple. I didn't get married till I was 29. But I showed date a lot from the age of 20. Oh, Lord Jesus. Actually, I started dating a girl in high school. Got serious with her through high school. Blah, 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 blah. When Amy was in... Family Worship Center and I was in Family Worship Center. You've heard the story. I'm going to tell it again. We, we were at different ages. She's seven years younger than me. I did not start looking at her when I was 20. <laughs> she was in the youth group. She was just a youth. I had no idea. Number one, I didn't know how immature I was. Fair enough. Couldn't keep a checkbook, couldn't pay my bills. I had no idea what I was doing. I made a lot of money, though. Uh, time passed. And, uh, you know, everybody started growing up. And then she ended up being in the same singles group I was in after high school. And she's like 19, and I'm whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and I knew her because we were always like little friends, you know. But she saw me date all these girls, right? And it was a lot of girls, because that's just the way it was, you know. Somebody ought to say, amen, Pastor Z. Go, brother. (laughs) Then I got hooked up with this girl, and got serious with this girl. And it was a very, very serious situation. Um, And this is like, you know, before Amy and I got to knowing each other. So... Anyway, this girl and I, you know, we were trying to work it all out, and I thought it was all right, and she thought it was all right, and I knew in my spirit it wasn't all right, and blah, 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 just maybe the way we were approaching it. And so, it ended up breaking up, and blah, blah, blah happened, and anyway, I was driving down the road one day, the Lord pointed me to a place, and showed me that one day I would get married. I bought a ring, put it away for years, and just, just waited, but here's what I want to say. All the relationships I had inappropriately. And I'm not talking about they were wrong relationships. You can have a relationship that's right, but do it the wrong way. Nobody's shouting. Anybody ever done that but me? Anybody want to be truthful? Anybody feel like going, you know, Pastor Dio, I really want to hear this, but it's true? Come on. And I had started it. Or or got into it or moved into it or moved with it the wrong way. And because I did, I could not get in. I I did not have God's blessings on it. I had my blessing. Because God gave me a will. He's just. That's just great preaching right there. And because he's just, he says, if you don't do it my way. You will violate a principle and it could affect you adversely if you don't make changes. And for me, because I wouldn't make changes to marry any of them girls. Nobody's shouting. I just decided, I mean, I didn't move forward with marriage. I'm basically a player. Nobody's shouting because some of you men are his players. And if you ain't going to put a ring on it, uh-oh. I know why I didn't put a ring on it. Any other man want to tell the truth? Anybody want to be honest? Come on now. I know women don't want to believe this, but you know why men don't put a ring on it? 
Men are hating me today, boy. Whoa. There's some men in this church that shut up. I said, shut up. Why did I come? Why am I here? Because <laughs> God is just. That's why. Yes, I could have. I could have. I, you know, I, I think, God, you know, the fact is this. Once that was over with, I knew God eventually would want to do that. I made a decision to make some different choices about relationships. I never told Amy that I loved her until I knelt down to ask her to marry me. We dated for, you know, a pretty good amount of time, but I mean, we kept it straight. We did the best we could. You know, I mean, you know, I mean, with all the problems you have as daters and all that stuff, there's struggles out there and you try your best to live right and do all the things you can. We try. And then it came to the point where I knew, you know, I can't get away from this one. Men know what I'm talking about. There's one day you find a girl and it's not a game anymore. And you just don't know how you could get away from that one. <laughs> it's not, she ain't got to talk me into it. We ain't got to talk no more. There ain't nothing more to say. I just, I can't get, you don't even know how to explain it. There ain't even a word for it. It's like something happened inside. It's like, I can't get out of this one. Does any man want to know what I'm talking about? This is it. It just. The choice to make the decision to be serious with Amy to the point of let's get married and see what God has for us brought God's blessings on it beyond where it was before. I'm preaching real good. There's somebody needs what I'm saying today. You know what? It don't take but a minute. Yeah, nobody's even got to know you're married. Go down somewhere and go get married secret. <laughs> have your big million dollar wedding you got to impress all your buddies with. people come down oh, we can't have a wedding right now why well i got to have 250 people there with a huge meal and i've got to pay for all these designs and all this you know what i'm talking about know what I'm talking so we can't get married i'd rather violate god Because I need a big plate on the table. Am I preaching good? I am preaching real good. No, I, I'm using this as an example. I could use anything. I could use other choices. Because there are many choices we make in life that are exactly the same way. And they're about following God. But I can tell you this. In making the right choice. And you know, you go up different mountains today. I'm going up a little different side of this today. Because I want you to understand the justice part of God. That God being just, when I jumped into His plan with the relationship... Then God joined with me in the relationship. In other words, I, I, I was with him in his plan. Somebody ought to say amen. amen. Just a little sidebar. If you're mad at me, get over it later. Amen. Somebody say amen. A good, you know, I'm going to meet here for lunch this afternoon. Thank you, Jesus. A, a taco fixes everything. Somebody say amen. <laughs> so if somebody doesn't die... Then we're not going to be redeemed. But somebody has to die for us to be redeemed and to be restored. Isaiah said it this way. In Isaiah 53 it says, And the Lord had laid on him all the sins, or the sins of us all. The Lord laid on him the sins of all of us. So all the 7 billion people plus on earth today, and all the ones that have died and died before this moment, God laid on him the sin of us all. And that might not make a lot of sense. But all those iniquities. And the Bible says God slew him. God slew him. Well, we know what death is, right? God separated himself from Jesus when Jesus took on the sin of man. He took it all on. He carried the entire weight of sin on himself. Does anybody understand what I'm just saying? So, because of the bloody nature of our relationship with God, this justice came through one man dying. God's judgment was carried out through one man. Judgment being the result of our actions. God blesses us. He judges us that way. God also is giving us rights. God has promised. God has kept his word. Somebody has to die. And that somebody was Jesus. Somebody ought to say amen. Somebody had to carry the weight. Look at somebody and say, thank God for Jesus. 
and look at them and say, Merry Christmas. You ought to be happy. I know what I said a minute ago, you, some of you just didn't understand, but I'm telling you, Jesus is the answer for a better future. It's the answer for a better plan. It's the answer for better kids. It's the answer for a better relationship. It's the answer for a better school. The third reason, the third reason is because of God's love. Because of God's love. God is not trying to become love. God's not trying to get love. God is love. Now listen to this from 1 Corinthians 13, 11, or 13, 1 through 11. We know that scripture is talking about love and all the things love is. It says love never fails. God was not going to fail. He had a plan. Somebody say amen. But he is all the things that we find in 1 Corinthians 13. He's all those things. He doesn't take into account wrong suffering. He doesn't hold a burden against us that's not, that's not to be held against us. If you want to know what God is like, and when we talk about love, God is everything in 1 Corinthians 13. When you wonder where you stand with God at any given moment, he said, even though I do all these things, he said, it cannot be stowed. Love is, suffers long. It's kind. It envies not. It vaunts not itself. It's not puffed up. It doesn't behave unseemly. It doesn't seek its own. It's not provoked. It thinks no evil. It rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in truth. Bears all things. Believes all things. Holds all things. Endures all things. It never fails. That's how God feels about you right this very moment. Wherever you are. Whatever you're feeling about what I've said today. I want you to know at the core of this is a God who loves you so much. That he wants these things. He's saying these to you because the benefit on the other side of this is so much better for you. I've got a better plan with dominion in it. How much does God love us? I hope this helps somebody. I hope somebody says, I heard what you said. Yeah, and then here's the other side of it. He loves you so much that in spite of while you were a sinner, he died for you. Glory to God. In spite of what you do, he died for your sin. He died to take it on himself. He died to restore you. He died to make your life better. He died to give you hell. He died to give you blessing. He died to provide your overcoming. He died to provide safety and protection. He died that you could have everything that he is. He loved you so Even when you were a sinner, he died for you and took all that. So God had a decision to make. He had to be slain before he had to have something prepared before this situation. came. He prepared a woman's womb. He promised that he was coming. And the moment the most important moment in history. The history of mankind, mankind is the virgin birth. That's why so much is always fought on the virgin birth. Because the baby came into a womb God prepared. And it came without the seed of a man. So that the seed that was here could bear the weight. Does anybody hear what I'm trying to say? Could carry the weight. So the most important event in human history. And I would, I would, I would say in, comp- in, in connection with the resurrection. But you can't have a resurrection until you die. And you can't die if you're not a human. Not on this planet. So the most important moment in human history was thank God for Christmas. Oh, I wish everybody understood what I'm talking about. I mean, why do we celebrate Christmas? We better get a little bit better understanding. Because unless you die, you can't be resurrected. Resurrection was dependent upon conception. The resurrection was dependent upon conception. I'd write that down. That's a note forever. The resurrection was contingent upon conception. Spirits can't die. Death had to occur. Spiritual death and natural death. God said, I don't want them to die. So instead of them dying, I'm going to die in their place. I'm going to die in their place. Man dies twice. 
He dies, number one, spiritually. When we're born, we're born with the sin nature. God can't stay inside of a man that has sin. He can't live inside of us. He has to forsake our relationship. God, we, 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 we die that way. And then also we die physically as a result of that spiritual death. And God is so just that because of that, he, and it's his judgment being fully done, God required to do and bring a man to save man from his condition. His substitution required then that God get into a body, thank God for Christmas, then that body would die, that sin would be present, sin separated Jesus. The reason, the worst moment in Jesus on the cross, the loudest he screamed was, Father! Why? For whatever time it was, for whatever moment there was, when he took on man's sin, at that moment, God had to abandon himself. I don't know if anybody understood what I just said. God had to reject his son. Father, why hast thou forsaken me? Come on. Come on. Thank God for Christmas. I don't think we understand the value of these moments. I don't think we've ever really comprehended the depth of what God has done in. And he said, so God had, had forsaken himself to be present with us. Isaiah says it this way. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. With his stripes were healed. Oh, we like sheep have gone astray. We've all turned to our way. But the Lord laid on him the iniquity of every single one of us. You ought to be thanking God. If you know Jesus this morning, that God has redeemed you from the curse of the law, being made a curse for you. That curse is everything that hangs upon a tree. That the blessings of Abraham may come upon us. God bore those sins. Today, if you don't know Jesus, you need to know Jesus because he took the sins of your life and he carried them on himself so that by his stripes you could be healed, so that by his blessing you could be blessed. God said he became poor that through his poverty you could be rich. God wants you blessed above and where you are. He said the good life. God wants you to have a life and that more abundantly. I want you to know today, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, there's a better life ahead of you. There's more in store. There's more down the road. There's more that God... Stop rejecting God. Stop turning from God. Stop trying to get God to understand your position and instead jump into His position. Jump into His will. Say, you know what, God, I've been missing it along the way, but you love me so much that you took all of my integrity upon yourself so that I can walk in health and healing and dominion and power. I can walk in the dimension. And you don't have to keep telling Him what you're going to do. Why don't you say, God, what do you want to do? What do you want to do with my life? Where do you want to take me? What is the plan for me? God, I don't know everything, but I know a God who does. I know God knows the entire direction. God has everything planned out. God, I'm ready to start walking in the steps of the righteous. You said you ordered the steps of the righteous man. I could just be sitting in my house serving God, and God could give me a phone call. God could open a door. God could turn something around. God could open a window. God could pour out from heaven. I'm just going to walk with God. Thank God for Christmas. Man, I learned a long time ago to let go of pride. We let what people tell us become the doctrines of our life. We let them tell us what we used to be, how we came up, what our life used to be like. You don't know what you were brought up in. You don't know the bother. You don't know the issues. You don't know the challenges. After all, you were this kind of child and you were this kind of mess. And you had this kind of thing going on. And everything in the world should have turned against you. And everybody should reject you. And I don't know how. And just anything that goes wrong is because of how you were brought up. And how you were raised. I got news for you that's not true. Because the Bible says you can renew your mind. And you can take on the mind of Christ. You don't have to live in past. You don't have to let the past dominate you. You don't have to let the past hold you bondage and keep you bound down and held down. Oh, you don't know what they said about me. It doesn't matter what they said. What did God say about you? 
He said, greater is he that's in you. Than he. Oh, let me let God talk to you for once. Let God tell you how great you are. Let God spill into you how wonderful you are. Let God tell you, I have made a plan for you. It's a beautiful plan. I got an end. I got a direction. I got something lined up. Just jump into my plan. Stop listening to the naysayers. Stop listening to the folks that can tell you how bad it was and what was wrong and jump on in. says all things pass away and everything becomes new it becomes new where you were is not where you are in Jesus what used to be is not what is it's where you're going he said all things pass away I'm going to let what my mama said pass away I'm going to let what my aunt said pass away I'm going to let what social worker said pass away I'm going to go ahead and just step into new I'm going into new. I'm coming into a new life. I'm walking in new dreams. I'm coming into new stuff. I'm doing new things. I've seen more people kept out of ministry by what people said in their past if they would just jump into what God says about your future and stop worrying about what somebody said about your past. Everybody made mistakes. Everybody's sin has come. Nobody is without it. He said, your righteousness is as filthy rags. People said stuff to you. People did stuff to you. People moved in ways they shouldn't have moved. Issues happened. But you don't have to live there. Live in the joy of the Lord. Some of you in this room need to shout a little bit more than I'm, I'm preaching really good. I'm already out of breath, and I ain't got you shouting yet. If you just give him a little praise. <laughs> Come on, somebody give me some praise. Give me a little breath. Give me a little breathing room. Give me a minute to touch my air. Come on, go ahead, praise him. Go ahead. Go ahead. There's a big, bright future. There's amazing things ahead. There's amazing things. Praise a little bit more, just a little bit more. Come on, you can praise a little bit more. Praise a little bit. Thank God. 
Come on, give him a shout. Sit down, sit down. We said number one, we said that God will always keep his word. Number two, we said it's because God is just. And lastly, we said it's because God is full of love. I want you to think about how much love there really was. When God had planned out our reunion to him before man had ever come into existence, when God had already thought this thing out, he created Mary. But he created her womb in a very special way. Interesting enough, it didn't require a man's sperm. It was God's sperm. The Bible says the Holy Spirit came upon her and she got pregnant. But a woman's womb and a baby, the baby and the woman don't share blood. They never share blood. Did you know that? You might not know that. You might not realize that when a baby's in a womb, the placenta is attached to the uh, uterus. But they never share blood. That means the blood that was in Jesus, the one that would redeem us, was. He said, I know man made a mistake. But I have come to restore him. I'm going to give myself. I'm going to come and I'm going to become a man so that I can use my authority on the planet Earth to give back to man his dominion. And while that spiritual baby, Jesus, was inside the womb of his mother, they never shared blood. He had his precious blood. The precious baby Jesus and his precious blood was sealed. In the conception of Jesus Christ. He made a special baby with special Anointing. I mean, I mean, think about. It. I mean, so that when he came on this earth, when God arrived on this earth, that he arrived the perfect, sinless Lamb. 